You're listening to Very Loose Women. It's funny how money changes situation. Miscommunication leads to complication. My emancipation don't fit your equation. I was on the humble you on every station. Uh, you just heard Lost Ones by Lauren Hill. As I really hope or think you might be aware of, because it was just mentioned on Club Integral, um, tomorrow is International Women's Day. We are one of the women's programs on Resonance 104.4 FM, which is what you're listening to right now. Um, So uh, we're going to be talking about that tonight, um, about different uh, International Women's Day initiatives and its history and what we've been up to. So um, good evening, listeners. Uh, In the studio tonight is me, Leo, and... Two wonderful co-presenters, Soila. Hi, Soila. Hello. And Flory joining us in the studio tonight. Hello. Hi. Um, so, uh, as I said, tomorrow is International Women's Day. There is loads planned. Um, an international strike has been planned. Look under the hashtag We Strike. In London, there's an assembly in Euston Square, a sex uh, workers strike, a march against male violence on Sunday. You can find more details on Million Women Rise. Um, and also there's actually this website that Flori mentioned earlier called Women's Grid, uh, Women's Grid, which aggregates lots of different um, happenings. And also from now through till Sunday, uh, the South Bank Centre is running the Women of the World Festival, which uh, we've covered in the past in Derry and in London. So there's there's loads and loads of uh, lots on. Uh, there's loads and loads of things on. Uh, in the studio tonight, I think we're all very strong supporters of women's rights and equality. I think comfortably we can all say that. Um, But I feel like we tend to be quite, we have like an anecdotal approach. Like we like to mention our own lives or our guest lives and we don't actually talk about our own beliefs that much. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, I think it's worth mentioning that that we do believe in equality and, and it is, I do think that it's a right and it's a right that we are currently lacking. And that is something that, that surprisingly is not accepted across the board. So we're going to um, investigate different parts of this uh, this evening. But first, as ever, frustrations and celebrations. Uh, Soila, will you kick us off? Sure. Um, I just have a celebration. It's a mini celebration. I saw Ladybird this week. I saw yeah. it yesterday. It's, really, it's a really great film. Um, many moments where I was like, felt very heartfelt. There's a, I don't want to spoil it, but there is a really lovely, oh, I don't know if I should. Um, spoilers. Yeah. Um, Wait, no, no, no spoilers. Okay, no. <laughs> you don't want to lose listeners over this. <laughs> okay, fine. No spoilers. It's a, it's a, it's a good film. It's, it's a great film. I need to see it. it. I want to see it. It's a yeah. great film. I, my celebration, I have two celebrations. Go so, on. So I've been really intensely learning to drive and then I got my driver's license. That's not a celebration. That was ages ago. And the card game in the post and everything. But it means that like I've got a bit of a gap in my schedule between my freelance work and because uh, there was like, you know, a couple of months I was just I literally had no sleep. And then now I'm just like, oh, free time. So this week I had my first ever drumming lesson and that was amazing. And I really, really, really love it. It makes me genuinely very, very happy to do it. So I was really excited. Um and then yesterday, last night, I uh, had a large and a small glass of wine, red wine, mm-hmm. and went up on stage for the first time for stand-up. So Amazing. It was so exciting. A friend of mine who was there with me said I got belly laughs, so good, I feel like... Good, I always said I'm you were the funny, best now. although I am offended that you didn't invite me. Yeah, I know that you are, but <laughs> I, I felt like the fewer people there, the better, because I would get embarrassed. Um, and I was really, really worried about losing the power of, to stand up. 
which is really a basic requirement in stand up. Um, but I, I do like, I do Literally. lose, yeah, I, I lose the power of my knees when I get stage fright and I was so worried about getting it and I didn't. So now I'm going to be more confident well for next Good. time. Good, amazing. Yeah. Um, and Flory, have you got any celebrations or frustrations for this week? Um, yeah, I have a celebration. I've got together with women from my work to. Um, organised to celebrate uh, International Women's Day and to support the strike that's happening as well. So we're we're going to the assembly in the afternoon for a bit with um, with some supportive men as well in the organisation. Good. And we're going to have a discussion amongst women in the organisation afterwards. Which that's is nice. really amazing and very topical as well. Exactly. So yeah. thanks for <laughs> leading us really smoothly into our topic. Um, uh, the next question actually was, what have you done for women? I feel like you've got that covered, but I know you've got a lot more to say, so I'm not going to um, not ask you. Uh, so, uh, so sorry. What have you? What do you like? What do you feel generally you've done for women in your life, and that can be from from the small to the big. Um, well, my last job, uh, I worked in the women's sector, and I ran a couple of campaigns for women's equality. Um, and I, one of those was um, gathering stories of women's experiences, um, um, which was pretty amazing. Working with lots of different women and empowering people through video that was pretty cool um but also i we were having a conversation about this earlier and i kind of think it's important to recognize the sort of smaller things that you might not consider to be you know huge strides of gender equality but are actually incredibly important in terms of um you know the when you call people out for being sexist or um uh, just have those conversations about what feminism means with people who are not on side just those small kind of things are really helpful challenging behavior yeah so there you got any moments when you've done that in your life um i've i mean i think one thing to say that is important is that you don't have to have done a massive thing to be obviously a supporter of women and women's rights um but the kind of small ways personal ways in which i've tried to challenge the status quo is when i was at university um there was this comment made it was like the the student union elections and this person made this comment about let me correct that. This man made this comment about um, he was like, "Oh, there's no women here at the university who will be good for student union president." Um, long story short, I became the student union president. Um, I, think, I think like uh, role models is like a key. Like you'll get freshers who would have seen you do that and been like, "Oh, yeah. this is a space where I can feel." Yeah, and that was like the first. I mean, granted, there weren't. Like, there wasn't a long history of this university. So I was, like, the first female student union president, also the first editor of the student magazine there. Wow. So mm. I was, like, paved the way. That is really... I, I didn't know all of that. That's yeah, very, very go. impressive. Uh, and I think that's really cool that you're not part of, part of this show. So that's... Oh! Lots of love there. Yeah, I don't think that I've ever done anything as momentous as either of you. Um, I think producing Very Loose Women since... Well, since 2006 on and off, I guess, since uh, uni, um, I, I've always like tried to get as many women on air as possible. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that I always say when I'm like, oh, I've got this friend and Leo's first thing is, the, the first, one of the first things she said is, are they a woman? And I'm like, yes. And then it's like, okay, that's great. Oh, <laughs> um, what? Yeah, if I'd done various women as... I mean, I do think that there is space for men to be promoting women's voices too. I don't see anything wrong with that. If I were a man, maybe I'd be less passionate about it, but who knows, maybe I wouldn't be. And, you know, they're obviously really great male... Um, Feminists. Yeah. yeah. Although men who call themselves feminists, like it's great 
when men do. Um, but a lot of men who have said that, I have then learned that they are not that. So, like, actions speak louder than words, yeah. I think, in well, feminism. Mm. My dad's a feminist. Yeah. And I'm fully... And you know him very well. And, yeah. And I, if you recommend him as a feminist, <laughs> I would... Yeah. <laughs> Fully feel comfortable with that. No, I don't want to, you know, if people are making an effort for women's rights, obviously that's the best thing that you can do. So mm. thank you. Um, on behalf of all, no, on behalf of, <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of me. Um, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think when I was about 17, I, I remember going to uni. I was raised by, uh, my dad got custody when I was a teenager. And I, I think he, he's, he's like, I don't think he'd mind me saying that he's a bit of a misogynist. And I, I went to uni, um, with all of these quite misogynist points of view. Um, mm. And I think I would listen closer to, to men and I would take men more seriously. Just, I hadn't really thought, thought, thought it through. Mm -hmm. And I think now that I'm 30, I've learned to question that. And I really value and very genuinely love hearing women's voices. And I think that that is um, just my own little... Um, you know, what have I done for women? I've learned to appreciate them, like as a woman, which is pretty sad that that was my departure point. But no, but like I'm society sometimes teaches us to be against women, women mm. against women, and, exactly. and that's a bad thing. So it's great that you're. I'm really happy that. Yes. I, when I was your age, I was not as wise as you, Soila. So. <laughs> Full of compliments Aww. today. Um, yeah, uh, and also what a like representation of women on your skin. Which is something we'll discuss on another show, but um, oh. I thought you'd give us a brief, just what about, what is it that is so curious about your tattoos, Soila? Well, um, I had this thing where, so I, I talk about my tattoos a lot anyway, but um, I had this thing where I kind of vowed to myself that I would, n all, all of my, if ever I got a tattoo of a portrait or that kind of thing, um, they would always be of women mm. and um, I would never get a tattoo of a man on my body. And so... Um, I've got, yeah, I've got tattoos. Was that a, like, what was your reasoning? Um, I don't know. I think it was, I don't know, there's this, I am I guess we'll go into this in more depth mm. at a future point. But, um, you know, my... She's referring to our next show, which is on tattoos. <laughs> um, yeah, um, you're right. Let's get over that one. Yeah. Go into it in more depth when we're talking about it properly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think just to sum up that little segment, um, the Me Too movement as well this year um, mm. is really... Not just brought to the. Uh, this makes me sound so self-important, but the world's attention. But but it's also as I was already a strong believer in listening to women and believing women and hearing women before this campaign, um, and all of these stories came to light. And I just think the way that um, a lot of media has treated it has been really incredible. I was listening to this American Life episode this weekend, and they went into the stories that women bring to the table when they do experience assault and. That's just something that I'd never thought about properly until this uh, podcast and this journalist brought it to light. And um, and I just think that that is something that is um, like that greater awareness is just has been really wonderful. Um, obviously, the initial departure point has been terrible, as always. And it's it's truly horrific and quite often harrowing. Um, so on to the main topic of tonight, which is International Women's Day. What is the day? How did it start? Florence, you've done a bit of research into it. Can you clue us up? I have indeed. Yeah, sure. So the UN website cites uh, the, the earliest um, celebration of International Women's Day to be in 1909. Um, and this is in America. And it's off the back of the uh, women's garment workers strike that happened in New York in 1908. So... Um, 
what happened was the um, Socialist Party of America decided to recognise International Women's Day in honour of that strike and that struggle. Um, and then the next year, in 1910, um, at... Um, a meeting in Copenhagen of the Socialist International um, Congregation. They recognised uh, an International Women's Day in order of in honour of the global women's struggle, and um, many other countries' delegates um, present at the conference also vowed to recognise it too. And then this was kind of carried for, um, on, kind of beyond the sort of realms of various socialist parties and in 1911 it was officially recognised in Austria, Denmark, Germany and Switzerland where more than one million women and men attended rallies Um, and then in 1913 to 1914 International Women's Day became a mechanism for protesting World War One as part of a peace movement. Um, Russian women observed their first International Women's Day on the last Sunday in February um, and then el- elsewhere in Europe, on or around the 8th of March, which is the day that we have today, we use today, um, mm. uh, women held rallies to protest war or express solidarity with um, other activists as well. You talk about International Women's Year. Yeah, I didn't is... know that was a thing. Um, that was in 1975. Um, uh, the United Nations began celebrating International Women's Day on 8th of March during International Women's Year, so that's all very exciting. Um, I also wanted to celebrate something else actually the comedian Richard Herring who will be the busiest man in Twitter tomorrow as every year he tweets every single man which is actually quite a lot of men um, on Twitter asking why there isn't an International Men's Day and he says there is of course and it's uh, November 19th. Great well thanks uh, Richard Herring not only for your comedy but also (laughs) for your contribution to enlightening all of the meninists around the world, if that's a word. Yeah, I think it is. Um, yeah so potted history there of um, his uh, of International Women's Day. It's been going for a long time. Um, I definitely didn't know about it when I was a kid. It's like something that maybe no, through the show I become more aware of. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a good it's a good occasion to shed light on these things. Um, Soila, what happened a couple of weeks ago in Parliament? So last. Oh, a couple of weeks ago in Parliament, um, yeah. myself and, and Leo um, went to an event called... The Panel in yeah, Parliament. Yeah, that was it. The Panel in Parliament, Intersectional Suffrage, a focus on the women that didn't get the vote in 1918. Um, we spotted some MPs. We used... Um, well, yeah, we, we both used the fancy loos in, in Parliament. Yeah, um, great loos. I love Parliament. <laughs> Leo's bag went through security like four times because she had this weird <laughs> stone egg in her bag. Okay, there's a story to that, which is that my cousin gave it to me. Okay. Um, he was visiting from Detroit and he was like, I like the way that this egg reflects light. And <laughs> they thought that it was something deeply suspicious to have this glass egg in my bag. So, so um, took ages for Parliament to let me in. Yeah, we got there in the end though. Mm. Um we got to see well anyway so basically it was this panel by hosted by Webroots Democracy um, with Dawn Butler MP who is the Shadow Secretary of State for Women and Equalities with mm. um, with Councillor Abina Assar um, who is um, Councillor for the for Bexley mm. um Labour councillor. Yeah, Labour councillor. With Nima Begum, who is a PhD researcher um, at Bristol. And Rachel Givens, who is um, from the Reclaim Project, which empowers working class kids to stay, to to say, like, to get involved in politics, basically. Um, And so it was about intersectional suffrage. um, Yes. And they explained at the event what intersectional was. um, So I just 
Uh, I'm going to read out the first dictionary entry on this. Uh, different social categorizations, race, class, gender, um, and how they overlap and are interdependent. Um, so when I mentioned this definition to Flory, you had some queries about it. So um, what were they? I Yeah, I just... I remembered that I'd heard that the first woman to coin that phrase was Kimberly Crenshaw, um, who's an African-American um, professor, I believe. Um, and I just kind of wanted to add that a lot of people, they don't necessarily understand, who don't understand what intersectionality actually means. They think it's about having to list every single protected characteristic when you talk about equalities, and that's not really the point of the exercise. The point of the point of intersectionality is to kind of understand power structures and understand that feminism itself is not kind of separate from the power structures that exist in society, um, particularly ones that might have privileged a certain kind of feminism and a certain kind of... Um, put a certain kind of importance on particular women, namely white middle-class women. And in fact, that kind of frame of feminism has actively excluded a lot of other groups of women um, historically. And intersectionality is about kind of deconstructing that and ensuring that feminism is, is inclusive and it recognises that people have different levels of oppression depending on where they're coming from and kind of... I don't know, I kind of like viewing it as a way to approach equality generally um, as a framework for understanding it. Um, mm. Also kind of like as a journey to understand liberation of all people rather than viewing it as a, feminism as like an end game. And, yeah, and there achieving. is a, a worry of like there being like a, a ladder of discrimination or something, whereas actually mm. it is interdependent and it is... Um, different people from suffering at the interplay rather than yeah, like um, a tick box. Yeah, and that was what this panel was was trying to discuss, um, looking at that there obviously needs to be more work done to encourage women of colour, um, disabled women, working class women, um, queer women um, into the discussion, into running for public office, um, because at the end of the day, these voices um, need to be listened to yeah yeah the councillor made a really good point on that that um uh you know if someone's not there saying you, you know speaking their point of view no one's going to speak that point of view yeah and so that yeah. person needs to be in the room it's going to be a better yeah place. and um i think there were some very interesting things that came out of the so we didn't do a show specifically um celebrating 100 years since women got the vote because not all women got the vote yeah um roughly 8.5 million women got the vote um and the population in 1918, I did some research, <laughs> was about it was about 39 and a half million, which suggests that over 12 million women still were without the vote because mm -hmm. they weren't, um, you know, they weren't property holders or they didn't have a husband who had property or they yeah. didn't rent property and that kind of thing. Um, and I think that was a very important thing which um, we forget to realise often when we think of, oh, it's 100 years since women got the vote. Well, actually, it's not. And actually, when I was researching it, um, a lot of the kind of immediate uh, kind of internet results mm. um, have this thing where it's like women's suffrage movement is um, from 1890 all the way up to 1918 and then it stops mm. and then it's like, oh, and then everyone got the vote in 1928. Mm. And I think, you know, that needs to be something which there are, I mean, there are discussions and there, there yeah. is literature on that, but I think that needs to be much more prominent. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be more widely publicised. Mm -hmm. I think it's not something I'd really thought about before mm. I went to that event. Um, and also what, what, what that event really highlighted for me, so 
um, councillor Abina Zaye, she really um, highlighted uh, the fact that there aren't like there isn't enough diversity in politics. She said that um, there were councillors on her council who still could not recognise her after a year and confused her with other black councillors, yeah. which I found incredibly shocking to hear after a year of working with someone. I, like I have like you know quite bad facial recognition, uh, which I think you've seen me uh, stumble <laughs> upon and hide. But um, but even a year like that. That's like, I think I have like a diagnosable level um, and I don't think I would ever be that bad. Um, uh, But also Rachel Gibbons, uh, so she runs a programme, I think, up in Manchester of of getting young people interested in politics and really linking the day to day to, you know, to this is what decision making is. Mm -hmm. It's about deciding whether or not, you know, you can buy a pack of crisps in the store for so much. Like there is like an actual link there. Mm. Um, so uh, just, it was really inspiring to hear all of these people speak, I felt. So thanks thanks for uh, telling us about that and, and making me go along because I really enjoyed I did, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're almost at the end of the show. Just before we wrap up, I wanted to talk about, um, we almost had some activists from this um, Yarlswood campaign going on at the moment. So Yarlswood is an immigration detention centre um uh, and there are about over four people, 400, <laughs> crucially not four, 400 people currently detained there. Um, and, and there are a few activists who are going to fast tomorrow. Um, and uh, Apello um, Kagari, um, one of the detainees there currently, um, wrote an article in the Huffington Post, um, I, I think a, a couple of days ago, um, she wrote, I'm just going to quote her immediately here, mm-hmm. um, given that we were going to um, publicise the campaign. I figured it was OK. Um, so it's already been published in Huffington Post. Until recently, I was living a normal life for a 27-year-old woman in Britain. I love living in Britain. I've lived here uh, more than half my life since I was 13. But Britain is the only country in Europe with no time limit on the length of immigration detention. So when my mum and I were taken to Yarlswood, we did not know how long we would be here. So I just felt I wanted to read that out um, because uh, this is part of solidarity for other women um there are people who have pledged to fast tomorrow so if you want to find out more about that please um type that into google and learn more about it and also look at the faqs for any limitations on fasting which i think is very important if you have an eating disorder so please check that too um so uh yeah i think that's kind of all that we've got time for because we're going to read out some statistics uh just for the end of the show here to lead us out um about uh, women uh, in the UK and globally. Uh, so thanks so much, Flory and Soy, for coming on Thank tonight. You. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening, listeners. Um, and tomorrow, Resonance has a full day of programming about International Women's Day, so please tune in to 104.4 FM. And now, uh, two minutes of statistics, or a little bit more, because we have more than that left in the show. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with the pay gap. Uh, these This is information from the BBC. Average hourly earning um, of... Oh, no, it wasn't for... It was from Eurostat. It was from You told me these statistics. The the UK has a 21% difference in pay uh, between men and women. And across the EU as a whole, it's 16.2%. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I say obviously, uh, men earn more than women, I should say. Um, And for the the BBC said that the government data showed that 74% of firms pay higher rates to their male staff. Um, And Flory, on film... Um, so we've got a stat from the BBC here that says that nearly half of all the top 100 um, films of t- 
2016 evaluated were completely missing black female speaking characters and two thirds or more were missing Asian females and Latinas as well. Um, the top 100 top grossing films of 2017, women compromised only 24% of sole protagonists, 37% of major characters and 34% of all speaking characters. Um 68% of female characters were white, 16 were black, 7 were Latina, 7% were Asian, and 2% were of another race or ethnicity. Um, and yeah, that was one I added in myself. What? There's only ever been one. Uh, she, uh, recently, uh, there was a director of photography um, who won an Oscar. She's the first one, and that was ever. Wow. Uh, yesterday, I guess. Rec- you know, the last Oscars. Yeah. So uh, I think it really shows like how little women have been um, highlighted in cinematography um, uh, to date. Uh, so I was going to talk a bit about TV and radio. Uh, Ofcom says that all the main five broadcasters have more men in senior roles than women. Uh, on radio, uh, Guardian 2013 article that I tweeted the other day uh, on the Very Loose Women account at VLW Radio. Uh, they, <laughs> they, uh, they said that um, 20% of shows hosted by a solo presenter involve female broadcasters. That's across the UK. So that was in 2013. The stats might have changed, but I know they haven't changed enormously. Um, and Soyla, you've got some things to say about politics. I do. So um, according to a joint study by the National Centre for Transgender Equality and the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force, 21% of all trans women have been in prison at some point in their lives compared to 5% um, prison rate among the general population. And that, stump, that um, statistic jumps to an astonishing 47% for black trans women um, in from Parliament UK, or Parliament, from Parliament. <laughs> Parliament yeah, well, from the website. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, there is a page dedicated of to this. Of course. Yeah. Um, a record 208 women MPs were elected to the House of Commons in 2017, which is a record high of just 32%. Um, as of January 2018, there are 206 female MPs, which is just 26% of the House of Lords. There are six women in Cabinet, including the Prime Minister, and 26% of the total uh, 23 permanent cabinet posts. Um, From the New Statesman, apart from the brief stand-in leadership of Margaret Beckett after John Smith's death and the custodian rule of Harriet Harman, the Labour Party has never had a female leader. I thought it was... I I don't know. As, as like... I I would like to see more equality from the Labour Party is something that I have noticed. (laughs) Um, Um, Absolutely. They do, like, I think the Labour Party does have good MP representation, um, you know, compared to other parties, Um, absolutely. But I do think it's remarkable that there's been no female leader. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to flag that one up. Um, And globally, this is from um, UN Women, um, only 22.8% of all national parliamentarians were women as of June 2016, which is a slow increase from 11.3% in 1995. And uh, Flory, on domestic violence, you had a few statistics. I think off the top of your head, you know these. I was very uh, surprised earlier. Um, Yeah, so one in four women have experienced domestic violence. Um, Two women a week are killed um, by a current or former partner. And one in five women have experienced sexual violence as well. So that is... Very perfectly, all we have time for. Just to remind everyone that there is International Women's Day tomorrow and also the March uh, Against Male Violence on Saturday. 
Mm. So it's definitely Saturday. I remember it now. Oh, okay. Do you have, do you have anything you want to say for International, you know, any International Women's Day? Nope, because it's the next show now. Okay. I feel like you do because you asked me that. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say fuck the patriarchy. <laughs>